0: Uh, Two plus weeks ago, for two weeks, we talked about house rules. Really, it was uh, scriptural principles for how to have a a biblical marriage and raise children in a biblical way, and the Bible has a lot to say about that, Old Testament and New Testament. So we thought that uh, this week we would start a two-part series on what happens when The house rules are abused, or what happens when we don't follow God's word and plan for our life, for our children, for our marriages, what happens? And so today we start with abusing house rules, part one. Next week, part two, and um, I thank God for what God is going to do in hearts and lives, even during this service and after this service because they're gonna be continuing things to happen in people's lives even after today. Uh, Four years or so ago, my wife said, "'Why don't you teach or preach on um, uh, domestic abuse?' And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not really, I don't wanna do that, Alice." And, And you know how, men, you know how women can be sometimes, right, they're persistent, especially when they're right, and uh, they're really persistent. And she was persistent. I'm finally like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, One of the reasons was I didn't fully understand domestic violence and abuse. I was not raised in a home where my dad or mom yelled at me or uh, beat me in any kind of way like abuse. Now, I did get a couple of Uh, spankings, I called them back then, beatings with a belt, but uh, uh, it was only a fraction of what I deserved, so uh, most of the time he didn't find out about it. Uh, I did observe my other family members, some of them getting, uh, not abuse, but genuine spankings. I don't know why I did it, but when I was a kid, I wasn't perfect. I was not saved at the age of six or eight. And uh, I took some of my dad's old watches. I don't know why. Uh, I took them under the house, and then we could crawl up under the house. I set them up on bricks, and I don't know why I did this. It must have been the devil. And uh, so I forgot about them. and dad was spraying under the house. Weeks later, found the watches, and started to yell for Daryl and, Darryl and myself. I don't know why he didn't call the girls, but anyway, um, it was Daryl, come here. Carl, come here. Uh, I don't know why why it took me so long to get there. I didn't know what he wanted, but by the time I got there, he had Daryl by the hand, I me with a belt, letting him have it. I'm in shock. I backed away. You know, when things are going on like that, you don't want to interfere. So it's like, oh my Lord, what's happening? And he starts saying something about the watches. And I'm like, For a moment, I'm paralyzed with fear, but I realized eventually what happened. Daryl ran around there. He had the watches, and Dad said, did you put these on? Daryl, thinking he's going to give them to him, said yes. So he was getting the beating. Hey, he deserved it. He lied. All right, so anyway. uh, And there was obvious covetousness in his heart for the watches, so he got what he deserved. Uh, I eventually admitted, confessed my sin uh, when I was like 22 years old. But anyway, uh, well, I got it out of my system. And, uh, but let me just say, abuse is certainly no laughing matter. But laughter will give you a little medicine to take what's coming, all right? So anyway, physical abuse is a terrible, horrible thing. Some of you grew up in a home. Where you cowered in the corner or a closet or your bedroom? You were abused. You were made to be afraid and fearful even when mom or dad walked in the door. Physical abuse. Many of you, unfortunately, as horrible as it was, were sexually abused. We're going to talk more about that next week. For some of you, it was just mental or... Some it was verbal, verbal abuse. Yeah, Where you were constantly yelled at and put down, and uh, never spoken into your life—words uh, of encouragement and appreciation. Emotional abuse or or neglect, maybe just plain neglect, was was a uh, certainly is a form of abuse. Let me give you a verse: Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. Ephesians four thirty-two. Every family, if they would take this verse along with all of others, but this verse in itself, to incorporate it into our lives, our marriage, our family. Ephesians 4:32. it says, and be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every family in our church started Absolutely, being kind to one another all the time, 24/7, and they were tender-hearted. They were kind. They were tender-hearted. Yesterday, I I did something for my wife, and I find it no chore to do things special for her or or to help her in some way. And she said to me, uh, "You are so kind to me," and I'm like, "Yes, I know. I <laughs> am." I, I didn't say that. Of course, I'm too humble. But anyway, I told you. And so, I. Uh, but I'm thinking, well, yes, I, I, I'm kind. I want to be kind. Everybody should be kind and go the extra mile. Tender-hearted. We're tender-hearted toward one another. And whether you're a son or daughter still living at home, to be tender-hearted towards your parents and your siblings, forgiving one another, absolute necessity. You cannot live the Christian life without incorporating this element into it, and that is forgiveness. And since we're talking about abusing house rules or domestic abuse or or sexual abuse, whatever, as difficult as I know it may be, it is imperative that as believers, every one of us Are to forgive our abusers. I didn't hear one amen on that, but some of you, I know just the suggestion, just the suggestion was a difficult peel to swallow, but I'm I'm going to again tell you, you have got to forgive the abuser. It becomes absolutely necessary. If you read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus concludes that prayer with commentary on forgiveness and the understanding he gives to us that if we don't forgive we hinder God for forgiving us. Now, how many of you needs God's forgiveness? How many of you? On a regular basis, we need God's forgiveness. So, if we need God's forgiveness, we've got to forgive. Say amen, everybody. All right, so we've got to forgive. We want to see you helped in every way. So, we forgive. We do what we can. Uh, if you are, you were raised in a in a family of abuse, or you're, uh, God have mercy, I hope not, but if you're going through abuse right now in your home or in your marriage, uh, uh, I want you to know uh, that these altars are going to be open at the end. And also, we have free pastoral and clinical counseling here during the week. It's free. We have living free classes like boundaries that will help greatly someone who's gone through abuse in your upbringing. We have God in the 12 Steps, uh, an incredible program written by Jerry Sharp, one of our members of our church. And so God help you to do what you can do to seek after God, seek the help that is beneficial to your life. Let me make this statement. I saw it recently and it goes with this message. Healing doesn't mean The damage never existed. It means the damage no longer controls our lives. Amen. Healing does not mean that the damage never existed. It means the damage no longer is going to control our life. Praise God. Amen. Now, James, here's another great verse. James chapter 3 verse 16. For where envy and Self-seeking exists. Where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil work is there. Every evil thing is operative in that home where self-seeking exists. No, as parents, we uh, we didn't get married so you what we could get out of it. We got married because we were first of all expressing our love. And then it flowed back to us. And so if you have a home or a marriage that is centered around someone and they're self-seeking, there's going to be confusion and abuse will be there in some evident form in that marriage or relationship or that home. Self-seeking is the lack of empathy toward others, the lack of any consideration of others, and if there's one thing we should do as parents, we should be considerate uh, toward our kids and loving toward our kids, uh, and vice versa, and also in the marriage relationship. Self must not reign in our lives. Say amen. Self must not reign in our lives, so we've got to die to self. Our old self is to decrease Christ is to increase. So, you and I need to die. Tell your neighbor right now again, you need to die. And you look back and say, and I know you need to die. And tell them, the sooner the better too. And uh, because we need to die to self, all of us. Well, let me give you these 10 signs or evidences of domestic violence. Boy, how tragic this is to even think anybody in our church ever went through this, is going through this, might go through it in the future. Dear God, have mercy. But number one, if you're in a marriage relationship, and most of this applies to uh, abuse in a marriage, but some certainly applies to the family. So number one, if they make you feel worthless, a marriage should not make us feel worthless. Being in a home, a family should not make us feel worthless. And then number two, accuse you. They accuse you of of cheating or being uh, disloyal to them. So no, we don't need someone treating us that way. What a a horrible thing to have to deal with when somebody is so jealous that they're constantly accusing us. No, the devil is the accuser, and so we're not to get on his same track, Amen? amen? Number three, number three is they hurt you by hitting, choking, or kicking you. Hitting, choking, or kicking you. A close family member several years ago came to us and admitted to us, my wife and I, that their husband had been choking them. I was in shock. I was like, why haven't you already said this? And why haven't you told it? And, and, and I was just, uh, my reaction was all over the place as far as how to respond to that. It, it, it's something I would never in, in dealt with in a family situation before, but someone choking the person they said they love, how horrible is that, to say the least. And number four, number four, intimidate or threaten to hurt you or someone that you love, maybe even your child. Number five, number five is to, uh, is to threaten to hurt themselves. Uh, forgive me, it's to threaten to hurt themselves if you don't do what they want you to do Threaten to hurt themselves. Number six, try to control what you do and who you see. And, of course, the next one, number seven, goes right along with it. Isolate you. They isolate you. Uh, Unfortunately, I've seen this even over the years as pastor, is that a couple would get married, and the young man will isolate the girl, his wife, from her family family and from her friends so that he can manipulate and control her. And even, unfortunately, seeing a wife do that before, literally pulling her husband away, making him choose between her and family. And they will typically choose her, the one they are married to, hoping they will change. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Number eight, number eight is pressure, pressure or force you into unwanted intimacy. That goes more along with next week. Number nine, number nine, control your access to money. Control your access to money. Your wife needs to know what's in your account. I am forever shocked when I hear some couples, yeah, he's got his account, I got mine. you what? Do you know how much money is in his account? No. He knows, I'm like, hey, my wife knows uh, at least how much is in one of my accounts. So I, at least, I mean, I make sure that at least she knows one account. No, of course, I don't have more than one account. She might have, but I don't, all right? I don't. I've only got one. It's got her name on it along with mine. Years ago, for years, I did the bills. I paid the bills, took care of the money, and then at some point we thought, no, you need to be a part of this. So now she mostly does it. I I, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, and so, <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, number 10, she's taking care of it. Number 10, they stalk you. The, this may include calling you constantly, texting you constantly, following you, going to your work, uh, uh, checking up on you. It's just consumed, they are consumed uh, with jealousy. And, and I know it's because they have been damaged themselves. But yet, even though they may have been severely damaged and initially it may not have been their fault, they may have been raised in an abusive home, still they cannot Bring that into your life and cause destruction and ongoing, perpetual, generational difficulties or abuse because of that. Marriages should be a place of harmony and love. I'm not saying you're never going to have a disagreement. Of course not. Uh, You will. But you get over it, you forgive each other, you go on, you, and uh, you don't make a big deal out of it, And uh, amen? So, uh, God help us to do that. There's a little video that uh, we want to show you. Now, this video is, so, it really, uh, you've got to hear it, so guys, make sure it's turned up. Um, this little girl really is preaching a message to couples. And every man and every woman that's married here today really needs to zero in and hear what this little girl has to say to all of us because, boy, does she hit it on top of the head. All right, let's go to it.
1: Mom, are you ready to be his friend? Yes. Try not to be that, that high up to be friends. I want everything to be low. Okay? Okay. Just try your best. Oh I, I don't want you and my dad to be replaced and meanies again. I want you and my dad to be placed and settled and be friends. I'm not trying to be mean. I just want everyone to be friends. And if I can be nice, I think all of us can be nice too. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to do my best in my heart. Nothing else than that. I want you, mom, my dad, everyone to be friends. I want everyone to be smiling. Not like being mad. I want everything to smile. Especially when I see someone, I want them to smile. Especially Nana, everyone. I want everyone to smile. And if that's for my dad and you mom, I think you can do it. I think you can settle your your mean your mean heights down a little to short heights. Then it's both. Okay? I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be a bully. I'm trying to be steady on the floor. Not way down. On straight on the middle where my heart is. My heart is something. Everyone else's heart is something too. And if we live in a world where everyone's being mean, everyone's gonna be a monster and their future. What if if there's just a little bit of persons and we will eat them, then no one will ever be here. Only the monsters in our place. We need everyone to be in person. Everyone, including me and my mom, everyone. I just want everything to be settled down. Nothing else. I just want everything to be good as possible. Nothing else.
0: Amen, praise God. (laughs) Okay, well, let's practice what she said. Turn to your neighbor and smile. No, at your husband I meant. All right, turn to your husband and smile, not the other way. All right. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. With your wife, with understanding, giving honor. Look at this giving honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel, now I know this can cause some to women to uh, rear up and like, w- wait a minute, what, what is he saying? What does Peter say? What does he know about women? All right, so weaker vessel. Let me just put it to you this way: I am weaker than just about every pro football player. Okay. Let me change that. I am weaker than all football pro players, all right? Every last one of them. But that doesn't mean I'm frail. That doesn't mean I'm I'm, uh, uh, handicapped, no. It just means that there are people stronger. And generally speaking, men tend to be stronger physically than women or have the capacity to be. And so Peter is saying we are to honor the wife, understanding that uh, they are not as strong, uh, typically, or, or emotionally. Now, I know there are exceptions. I'm, we, we're talking about the rule of thumb. I know there are some women that can beat up the average man, all right? I know that, but this is a problem in our society. Uh, God intended men to act like men and women to act like women, all right? This uh, gender identity. This gender identity issue is, a, is becoming a, 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 just a confusing, unbiblical, silly, and ridiculous situation. I, I, I sympathize with any person that's having emotional issues and understanding who they are. I sympathize. But that does not mean that I'm going to leave them in their confusion, absolutely not. And so we don't get away from biblical truth just because we have compassion for somebody who's struggling with truth, period. And it is causing a problem. I read about an actress in Hollywood that had a child, and she has determined she is going to wait. She's going to wait. She's not going to call it a boy or a girl. She's going to wait till they get old enough and let them choose. You talk about somebody just that That person is abusing that child, that's what they're doing. They're abusing them instead of speaking reality to them. This is causing problems across our nation. We have politicians that think it's okay are men who identify as women to go into the ladies' restroom, the ladies' shower, in high schools, in junior high schools. There is craziness because people have gotten away from the Word of God and the truth of God's Word. So this is a problem. Just recently, just recently I read where some girls up in the northeast that had been running track for several years and they were really, really good. But at the final finals, they got beat out by two young men that identified or said they identified as young ladies, and they barely got beat. But then they lose their scholarships, and they're up in arms about it. Well, of course, all kinds of confusion starts to exist when people get away from God's Word. And abuse takes place. And Disharmony takes place. There are three things that every person wants and should receive in their family, in their marriage, in their church. Three things in every aspect of life. Three things. Three A's. Number one, acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. We want to know we matter. We want to be acknowledged. Number two, we want appreciation. Appreciation. As a child growing up, we should be shown appreciation and acknowledgement. And number three, we need acceptance in our life. We want to be accepted. And so the same thing goes right on into every relationship of life. Well, marriage can be a real issue. I know that abuse runs the gamut even in our congregation as far as you were, some of you were abused in childhood. I've heard some of your stories, um, and it's horrifying, some of the stories I've heard. Some of you were abused in a previous marriage relationship. Some of you may be experiencing it right now. And I'm telling you as your pastor because, and all of our staff would say this, There was one lady that wrote a testimony in and said one of the reasons she did not leave her husband who was abusing her is because her father said, well, uh, it's not right, it's not biblical to get a divorce. Her sister said, you made your bed, now lie in it. And so they were using the context of, you know, uh, God intends for this marriage to work out. So she stayed a little longer because she didn't have family saying, absolutely, you're not staying there another night. He's not going to do one more thing to you. We're not even going to talk divorce now. We're just getting you out of there for your own safety. We have a home that we help support, Elizabeth House, where I don't know how many women have come through, coming out of an abusive relationship that somebody is mistreating them. I'll tell you what my religious position is on it, call the police. That is what my position is on it. And yet, I understand, and not fully, but I, at least I, I see it. It's easy for me to say to a woman, "Well, just call the police when, when he's the provider or partial provider that's a necessity. And so it is a difficult thing, but to think of a man Hitting a woman or beating up a woman or kicking a woman or choking a woman is so disgusting and distasteful to me. My attitude is, yeah, you're not really a man. We're going to call a real man. He's called a policeman. He's going to come to your house, and he's going to ask you to turn around, and you're not going to hesitate at all because he's the real man, all right? And he knows that you're not. Listen, this is not a... Uh, it's sad, it's heartbreaking. Of course it is. When even the husband goes to jail. But nobody should be abused physically. Nobody should be abused in any way. But it happens too often in marriages. But God has the answer. God is the answer. And over and over and over again, in this church and the churches across this city and country, we have seen and heard of, people that lived uh, through a horrible abuse that God entered the picture and has turned it around and healed the deep wounds. We asked for testimonies to be sent in. We, there were so many we couldn't choose all, but um, the one we're going to show you is a lady that since God did a work in her life, she's moved on with God and started doing some things that I think are a good examples for others to follow. So let's go to the video.
2: My name is Georgina, and this is my story. Everything has started since I was a little girl. My dad was treating my mom so badly. Physical abuse came out many times through so many years. So my life as a child was running away from my father's side is scared always. My dad finally threw the years left when I was 15. But it was a space in my heart of brokenness and emptiness. I didn't knew a better life. We were five children. My mom was a single mom of course and always because my dad never was, never was at home. And I met the father of my son. And through the years past, things started to come out worse. And we decided to get separated. But after that moment, everything came so worse, even worse than ever. His attitude, his controlling, his jealousy, followed me everywhere. Those were so extreme actions that I couldn't. Sometimes police was involved but they couldn't do nothing until they see that they can't that this person was abusing physically but I couldn't wait until that I saw myself living my mom's life when I was a little girl running away from my father being scared about my father the father of my son and myself we got divorced but then right after I decided to move to this country, America, for a better life, also looking for a better life for my son. Two years pass, I get married again. The abuse, physically abuse came. Came once first, but I can forgiven forgive him because I thought that I could help this person through his addictions. But I know now the only God can do change in people's life. We got separate. Right after, I just went into depression, crying everywhere I was. My head, my mind was so disturbed. I just kept working for my son, but myself, my mind, and my heart was so destroyed. I met another friend, and she told me about faith assembly. So, next Sunday, I came for the first time. And when I entered into those doors in the church, first time I was so trained, so depressed, always so stressed, so tired. I opened the door and I felt such a fresh air into my face. I felt rest. And from that moment on, everything started to shift and to, to change. My second Sunday, I responded to the altar call. And I just went there because I knew I needed a moment with the Lord. But something beautiful started to happen right there. I believe my deliverance was right there at that moment at the altar. I cried for a long time. And since that moment on, I felt so light, and I continued moving on. I started to learn more about the Lord and His Word and His plan for my life. I got baptized for the first time after my latest God encounter, And from that moment on, I've been here just with the Lord, close to Him. I, He's been close to me always, He who was always there. I just didn't see it. If, if you're going through this kind of situation, domestic violence, I would say, seek God through His Word. He will speak to you. Then you will know what to do.
0: That's good advice. Amen. Praise God. Well, since that time, since God really did that incredible work in her life through all that she had been through, since that time, she'd been a youth leader. Altar worker, praying with people at the altar and usher, uh, singing in the choir and in Faith Institute studying God's Word. So it's not just a surrender to Christ and let him do a great work, but then we press on. We move forward. We let the Word take root in our hearts. So today, for some of you, it will be a first time, a place and a time where you say, boy, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. Bow your heads with us, please, everyone all over the building.